you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back together here. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I'm good. What's going on? How you doing? The frenzy, man. We've got uh, we've got free agency frenzy. So I, I laugh because we kind of put together a rundown for what we wanted to do on the show today. And then as we start, it's just click refresh, refresh, refresh. And we uh, we see, see all these new moves that are taking place, like literally from when I just started this to uh, five seconds ago on 
on Twitter. Uh, Rappaport just tweeted out the Bears are expected to sign Bengals DT Larry Ogunjobi, uh, who's a really, really good player. Just one of numerous moves that we're going to get into uh, here today. We're also, speaking of defensive tackles, we're going to have one of the best in the in the business here. Uh, Cam Hayward from the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to join us. Uh, looking forward to chatting with him. And uh, we, can, we can always ask him about his new quarterback, Buck, because that news just came down that Mitchell Trubisky, your Tar Heel, is headed to Pittsburgh. Wow, that's a look. That's a that's a very interesting move. Um, gosh, so now they have three guys in the room. Well, okay. I mean, he's going to be the starter. I mean, he's coming. Yeah. He's only he's going there to start. He's going to be. I mean, I, I would think I would think he he's there. That that may leave some hurt feelings. Mason Rudolph and that crew. Dwayne Haskins, yeah. But no, I think it's a good move. So here here's why it's a good move. I've uh, felt like this is, and we've talked about it, this being the ultimate reset for the Steelers. Yeah. I think the Steelers are going back to the original identity. Sometimes when you have a franchise quarterback for so long, the team morphs away from what the identity of the team is and more into the identity of the quarterback. And what we saw, particularly the last decade with the Steelers under Ben Roethlisberger, it was more of an offensive-centric type deal with the passing game and those things. I think this is a chance for Mike Tomlin to go back and kind of reestablish how the Steelers zone go for the next five or so years. So defense being strong with new ideas from Terrell Austin and Brian Flores. Offense maybe getting back to the ground attack and maybe some creative run game with, um, you know, like Najee Harris and Mitchell Trubisky being able to do it. And then Matt Canada being able to kind of put his own identity on this offense. I think it's a new era for Pittsburgh football. So I think this is kind of an underrated point, and you just you just brought it up. I want to get to that because um, you talked about some creativity with the run game. And Trubisky, you know, for whatever you think of him as a passer, first of all, if you go back to that 2018 season, his his second year in the league, they go he goes 11 and three as a starter. Um, he has 24 touchdowns, 12 picks, but also ran the ball pretty well. So this is somebody who's very athletic. They talked about wanting to get more athletic. I I kind of advocated at the time that they should have used him more in the run game in Chicago because mm-hmm. he can really run. And I think now yeah. if the Steelers want to get more athletic, I think Trubisky gives them that. And I think it's not just his ability to extend and create. I think you can mix in some design quarterback run game there with Najee. You know, I, I think some of it had to do with Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe sometimes we can get our own head in how we think the quarterback position should be played. I think the year in Buffalo allowed him to see that the quarterback can, can be – a few different things. He doesn't have to just be this pocket passer that everyone talks about. He sat and watched Josh Allen utilize his legs. Josh Allen was basically their lead runner. And so maybe he steps into that and becomes more of an instinctive player who takes advantage of his legs and his athleticism and mobility to add a dimension to the running game, to do some of the zone rig and quarterback design runs to make the game easy for himself. Because we can talk about him. I think now there's a greater appreciation for Mitchell Trubisky after yeah. seeing what the Bears offense looked like without him. I think there's certainly some things that the Steelers can do to enhance his skill set and allow him to play winning football without having to be drastically different than the way that he was when he entered the league. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, a much different look to that offense, just completely yeah. different. Uh-huh. Um, I'm curious to see how much they're going to put him under center. Um versus, you know, Ben was so comfortable just setting back up there in the shotgun and, and sitting in his rocking chair and throwing the ball. I think not only 
is uh, it, it, we talked about the design quarterback run game. It is going to help out an offensive line that played a lot of young guys that were very uneven, a little up and mm-hmm. down. But, man, it's a lot easier now when you know that quarterback's not going to be in the exact same location on every single snap. It makes your pass rush plan a little more difficult uh, from that standpoint, Buck. Yeah, it, it does. And I think people have to understand, Matt Cannon has spent time. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin under Brent Bilma. Years ago, I, w- I was at the Big Ten Championship game where Melvin Gordon ran for a million yards running jet sweeps and those things. And so he has the under center game in his bag. He also has it with the creativity that we've seen from the Rams and, and those things with the fly sweep motion and jet sweep motion and that stuff. So it is about finding a way to make the game really easy for the quarterback. And the one way that you can do it is by putting them on the move, bootlegs uh, from under center design quarterback run, RPO type stuff uh, in the shotgun, utilizing all that stuff to really make sure that a quarterback um, is playing the game in a, in a fashion that's really easy for him to flourish and thrive. Yeah, I want to I get to the theme we've got here, uh, by the way. Uh, Quandre Diggs just re-signed with Seattle. The safety, three years, $40 million. Uh, You have the Dolphins, who have mm-hmm. re-signed one of their own in Emmanuel Agba. Um, the Bears, you know, we mentioned Larry Oak and Joby. You know what those teams have in common? Now that Seattle has moved on from Russell Wilson, as they don't have expensive quarterbacks, so mm-hmm. you're seeing these teams with some with some space and some room be very aggressive. So we're kind of I'm curious to see how this all fits together because we just had Matthew Stafford, one, you know, making a good mm-hmm. chunk of money. He's going to make a lot more money uh, with mm-hmm. his new deal that's going to come down pretty soon. Um, but you still see, and that that kind of changes the narrative. Well, you don't have to have a rookie a rookie deal in order to go win a Super Bowl. You can do it with a high pay, uh, paid veteran, but this is a great example today, man. When you do have that quarterback who's not eating up any space, you got a lot of space to operate, man. You build up the team. You yep. build up the team. Like it should be a gradual transition, right? So DJ, we talked about it. And that's one of the reasons why I have advocated for, hey man, play the young guy early. So you get all four or five years to do it. Because ultimately what you want to do is you want to go five years under the rookie deal where we got the all-star team. And then if we have the right quarterback, the shift happens where he begins to take more ownership of the team in terms of playing style. And then we auction off some of those other parts because we know we have to pay him a ton of money. Yeah. And when we pay him a ton of money, the, the, the dynamics of the team changes. Um, this is what teams are doing. So that's why you want to have the rookie quarterback. And you want to have the rookie quarterback on the field so we can figure <laughs> out if he's good enough to do it because ultimately we got to hand a baton to him and see if he can carry us over the threshold while we have all these other beasts. Um, all right. I want to get to a, another thought on that because you're talking about you know, these young players and being able to surround the young rookie quarterbacks. Um, oh gosh, who was I just looking at now? It, there's so much stuff happening so fast here, Buck. It's just going and going and going. Um, as I sit down here and look at it, I totally lost it. Totally lost it. I'll get back to it. I'll figure out, I'll figure out where I was going on that. Um, we just had uh, Alex Kappa, by the way, signed four years, yeah. forty million with the Bengals. So we knew uh, they were going to aggressively address the offensive line. The first step in that process uh, has been done there. So um, I'll, I'll eventually that that point will come back to me, Buck, as my brain resettles. But what do you think about the Kappa move? A, well, I think Kappa move is, is is what we talked about. We we knew that the Bengals were not going to run it back as is, as presently constructed. They were not going to do that, and so we talked about. This is an area of the team where you have to address it in free agency, and then you come back and readdress it again in the draft. And so Kappa gives them a guard, which they needed, and we saw in big moments their guards had a tough time 
being firm and they gave up sacks. And so now the Bengals are able to get a veteran. They're probably trying to come back and get another one, maybe a center. And then they'll probably devote a couple of draft resources to fortifying that offensive line. But they're not going to go back and let the offensive line continue to be an issue. Um, so that's that's what I think. I, I think what's also interesting, DJ, what we're seeing is quick re-signing of some mm-hmm. of these guys on big deals. The Emmanuel Agua thing, to me, is really interesting because of how much money they're paying him. Uh, $65 million on a $4 million note is tremendous. Uh, we'll wait and see what um, Ojinobi gets. Uh, yeah. Like, cause that's, that's, that's a big one. He's he has seven player. and a half sacks. He's a seven good and a half sacks on well, he's one of the premier interior guys. I was told by the way that I think it's DJ Jones from the uh, Niners is going to get paid. Well. Um, so again, this is kind of fun. It's, we're just literally updating this as we go along and it's just fun to follow. I remembered my point, by the way, it came back to me after I got sidetracked by us uh, when some of this uh, breaking news with the signings. Okay. So we, most quarterbacks, Man, go get as many talented people as you can. Help me out. Support me. Maybe save one because you remember this this whole storyline about Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray mm-hmm. wanting to get a deal done and the Arizona Cardinals saying, we're going to be patient on this. You know, maybe this is something that takes place later in the summer. Uh, you know, maybe this kind of you know gets into training camp or maybe they want to push it out even a full year. The reason why I think that there was a push to get that done, Buck, is because now, look, they just paid James Conner a bunch of money. They, no just, money paid Z- they just paid Zach Ertz a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to do one or two more other things. Then guess what? You go to Kyler Murray and say, man, we're trying to help you out, man. We're trying to get all these players for you. But side note, we, we don't have the money to pay you right now. We got to kick that can down the road a little bit. And then we'll see how much hardball he wants to play and if he wants yeah. to exercise some leverage. I don't know that he has any. You can use baseball if you want. But I think that this is... Can you kind of see it? Are you kind of following oh, this you, thing you, down that you, path? Hey, it's not. It's not. It's We're not, trying to help you. We, this it's is not how you. much we believe in you. We're trying it's to not you. you it's me. I, I just yeah. need a little time to kind of figure out what's going on and this and that. Yeah, they're trying to kick the can down the street because, look, man, it was the weirdest set of in, events and incidents that we saw. Like Kyler Murray, like he scrubbed his Instagram account. Then, then his agent comes out and talks about like. We'll try to hold him hostage in terms of the deal, all caps with the, the 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 letter and those things. And so now what you have, oh, by the way, Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury get extensions. So yep. now they're firmly entrenched. So now everyone's they're like, not going anywhere. hold on, let's wait a minute for a minute. Let, let, let's yep. see what this looks like. And so, yeah, I think it kind of flips it back and they will maybe play a little hardball with Kyler Murray and they'll see. Okay, if you say you don't want to sign this and you're, you know, so frustrated with all the stuff that's going on. We'll keep building up the team. And then I, just kind of see what it looks like. I want to go back real quick and uh, let me just look up this contract terms here. Uh, so with Trubisky, circling back real quick, uh, we'll see. It looks like it's a two-year deal. We don't have the money yet, right? But I think the assumption is this takes them out of the quarterback in the draft, right? Even though we had heard them connected mm-hmm. to uh, Malik, Malik Willis. Yep. So I, everything's if everything if you believe everything kind of works in circles and comes back around once upon a time, the Chicago Bears in the offseason of free agency signed Mike Glennon to a three year, 45 million dollar contract. The Bears oh, yeah. are out of the quarterback market until they weren't until Mike mm-hmm. Glennon showed up at the draft party for the Bears. 
and he had to usher him out because they just took Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. So Trubisky gets a two-year commitment. I'm just saying, like, I hope for his sake that, that they cleared the runway for him and, and he goes off and has a great time and plays well for the Steelers. But I would not rule out drafting a quarterback. And it would be, man, you talk about ironic. Everything would be coming full circle in, in Trubisky's career. Because it could be a blinking light like yeah. right there, particularly the Malik Willis thing. I'm going to say this, DJ. I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Like, I thought the quarterback of the combine worked out well. Yeah. Um, but I tell you, all of the quarterback activity from the Monday at the return, maybe maybe my feeling and optimism about the class <laughs> was not met by executives because there's been a ton of activity, activity where people are really shoring up that position that – I don't know. We always talk about the quarterbacks getting the bump in the draft. I, 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 I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen this year. <laughs> I don't know if it's, it, you know, because we always talk about like it moves. I, man, it seems like people are just really settling in. And then they're, maybe they'll let the just draft board fall to them as, as, as it breaks. But it yeah, definitely I mean, doesn't they, have the same field as they took. Guys. At least you took the you took the urgency away from them, right? You don't want to be in a position where you're like, man, we only like one of these quarterbacks, and I don't want to go into the draft pinning all my hopes that that guy's going to get there when I pick. So you don't have now. You got a guy, you got a veteran, you can play there. But maybe if it's your one guy that falls there, maybe that doesn't preclude you from doing that. But um, I do think it does tell you, for the most part, these teams aren't in love with this with this quarterback yeah, class just, at all. Yeah, Larry, Og- Larry, Larry Ogunjobi, by the way, three years, forty point five million. So that's a good number for him. Man, if you can get after pass, you can get paid. That yeah, that one year gamble that he he um bet on himself with the Bengals paid off handsomely. Good gracious. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Um, all right, we are going to uh, we're going to visit here with Cam Hayward on the other side of that interview. We will update anything that happened in terms of the signings while we're recording this. We'll hit on the Tom Brady situation coming back to the Bucks. Uh, but what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with one of the best defensive linemen in the entire league and uh, and chat and visit with Cam Hayward of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, Buck, excited to have uh, Cam with us right now. Cam, first of all, man, thank you uh, for taking some time for us. I know this is a crazy day in the league. I, I'm just curious, like, what, what as a player, um, and you're looking at your team, and you're looking at your position, I would imagine you're curious kind of what everybody's getting uh, around the league. What's a day like this like for you? Man, um, I don't want to look at what people are getting. I'm looking at what my team is getting, uh, and, and if they can add to our team and help enhance what we already have. Um, you know, it's crazy. You know, every time you look down your phone, something's changing. And um, I want to be present in this, but there are probably some big things probably about that. <laughs> you know, so Cam, you, you mentioned looking at what, what is going on and what people are getting and those things. To me, it seems like there's been an explosion in the amount of money that people are paying the guys up front on the defensive side of the ball, defensive tackles, edge rushers. Uh, why do you think we're seeing more teams commit more money to those positions? Why is it so important to have a solid front line? Well, I think, first of all, you're paying your quarterback so much money, right? You got to be able to stop them. And the best way to stop them is either a corner who can, you know, defend every wide receiver or a defensive lineman or outside linebacker that is kicking butt up front. Yeah, when you when you speak of the quarterback position, one of the big news uh, stories that just came down at literally a few minutes before you popped on is that the Pittsburgh Steelers, your team, uh, has a new quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky signed, uh, spent some time there with the Buffalo Bills after his uh, career got going with the Chicago Bears. 
I'd love to get uh, just your immediate thoughts about somebody new joining the quarterback room here in Trubisky. You know, excited. Um, you know, I don't know what this all entails, uh, but, you know, we're going to have a healthy competition at the quarterback position. You know, you had a guy like Dwayne Haskins who, you know, paid, paid, paid his dues last year. Um, Mason's been in waiting, um, got to play one game as well. But then you bring another guy in the mix um, that has had a, a winning record at, you know, Chicago Bears and then had a year in Buffalo where he didn't play much. But all three guys are capable of winning. Uh, and they've won games in the NFL. So we're going to have ourselves a really good competition going forward, and we'll see who, who comes out to be the best. You know, you guys are having a ton of change. And on the defense side of the ball, you have a new defense coordinator who has been there, Terrell Austin. And then you have mm-hmm. Brian Flores, who comes over as a senior defensive assistant. Do you expect there to be major changes to what you guys have traditionally been? Or do you think those guys will bring new ideas and add to what the foundation has been established? Well, I think the foundation stays the same. Um, we have a lot of returning players, and I don't think you want to mess that up too much because there has been success there. But, you know, having a guy like TA and a guy like Flo, um, both of them bring different ideas, uh, whether it's back end or front end. Um, they both have experience um, of being defensive coordinators um, and have a lot of success. So I think it just only enhances what we have. Uh, I know they're very excited to get to work. Uh, Keith Butler has been awesome for us over the years and the different blitzes he's created. Uh, but it doesn't have, hurt to have a, a fresh face in there. And now we got two of them. Um, TA's been around, but you know, now he, he's driving the ship. I'm curious about you know what you think it means to be a Steeler because when I was working with Baltimore, we had guys that we always kind of thought were Raven type players, and then we, there wasn't much difference between what we what we valued and what Pittsburgh valued. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's been such a great rivalry over the years. But you know, when when you look at guys that have come in there and have been uh, that have fit culturally into what you guys do, like how would you describe that? What is what is kind of that ideal Pittsburgh Steeler? You know, I think it's more substance over just look. Um, you know, you can make a case that their social media has taken over every locker room, but mm-hmm. um, production has become the big thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they look for complete players. They look for character players. Um, but I think the big thing that stands out is um, there's a grit and a toughness that goes along with every position. And I feel like, uh, for the most part, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been a part of that. Um, you know, whether it's Ben Roethlisberger breaking his nose and continue to keep playing or, you know, Ike Taylor being, uh, you know, not a great catcher, but a great tackler and being able to stop the run. Um, you know, having a guy like Casey Hampton who's able to take on two to three blocks and is able to, you know, not only have a big, not, not a big stat line, but, you know, able to affect the game and make sure those two A-gaps are shored up. Um, there's all these different things that are tangible like that. Um, you can't really just measure it by just looking at a combine or just stats out there. It's funny because now I wonder when you talk about like the toughness of the Steelers, um, mm-hmm. Cam, if, if if I come to your team, can I, can that be taught? Can I be taught how to be tough like a Steeler or do I kind of mm-hmm. have to have some of that already in me? Um, you know, I know some of it's already in them, but it can be taught or we can break you into it. <laughs> so I think um, that's one thing we, we really do strive to do. Um, we will make you fit the mold. Um, <laughs> there have been some guys over the years that have done things differently, um, and especially on the defensive side where I've tried to make sure uh, there's Pittsburgh Steelers by the end of the season, I'll say that. 
I, lo- I absolutely <laughs> love that, man. Hey, your brother, got a chance to see your brother at the Combine. Um, mm-hmm. And he's one of the more – he really is a unique player because yeah. of all the different uses that they they showed with him in college. And you see him in the backfield. You see him as a wing. You see him in line. Does all these different things. Um, but I, I want to get to your thoughts on some of these other defensive players in this draft. But first of all, I need your scouting report on your brother. Man, you're going to turn me into a car salesman right now. I love um, it. I want your sales pitch, man. I right. love him. And by the way, Mel Tucker is a good friend of, of both Bucky and ours. So, and and you can't get a higher recommendation than than what he gave us. Well, you know, Mel has been awesome for my brother. Um, I think he helped transform Connor into more complete player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, over his four years, or should I say five years now, but uh, he's played so many different positions that he never saw it as an added plus. Mm-hmm. And now, looking at it now, it was the best thing for him. Um, from being able to play running back um, and play running back well to fullback to tight end to slot, uh, that is a mixture that doesn't come around often. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, in high school, Connor was a quarterback as well, so you know, it just shows you he's been prepared for everything. Um, but I think the thing I love about Connor, um, you know, he's, he's he can catch with he's at the best hands I think. But yep. the thing about Connor that really stands out. Um, it's how fluid he is at his position. Um, I didn't realize it until I got to see it up close. I was on the sideline during the combine, and he was, I saw him for a second, he was like, man, I had a bad 40 time, which was a 4-7. I didn't think that was bad at all. Yeah. But he came up to me, and, I'm like, and I was like, just fall out in the, in the position drills. Yeah. And then I watch him through the position drills, and I get to see how fluid and how he's able to catch over the top of his head. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just looks so natural for him. Um, and being able to put him as a football player on that field, uh, I don't think there's going to be many that are like him that's going to be able to um, – you can essentially hide him in different positions. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's always looking for that third tight end, that fullback. That so it saves you a roster spot, man. It, it does. And that spot. plays a big spot in the NFL. Yep. Um, nobody really talks about that. But to be able to have a guy who plays multiple positions – goes a long way. And I think Connor's going to really exceed or excel at that level where he's able to just play so many different positions. Um, it's really going to help a team that wants to go from, you know, 12 personnel to 21 or, yeah. you know, five, five wide receivers um, and then slide him into a running back position. You know, you can't do that with a lot of guys. And it's going to be nice to see him at the next level. You're not going to want to hear it, but I said it on the air uh, when he was working out. I said, just mark it down. He'll be a Patriot. Like, because like, the, the, the Patriots – the Patriots will use they'll exactly like you said they'll look at that as such an advantage and as a team that morphs more than anybody from one week to the next he gives you that flexibility to do all that stuff like they're they're going to appreciate that more than most teams which is going to piss you off because he's going to be a Patriot man. Well, that's going to piss me off, but like for me as a player, I always look at tendencies and I always look yeah. at personnels. And when you're able to stash guys in different positions, that is the most annoying thing as a as a guy who knows what he's doing. Um, you know, because you can't just play, you know, uh, the favorite plays. They're able to do so much. Um, it really makes you ambidextrous. You know, Cam, it, it was funny because you had an opportunity to watch all these guys work out uh, mm-hmm. at the combine. And so I'm, yes. I'm going to be honest with you. It, it seems like there's been an evolution at the defensive line positions <laughs> because these guys are like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. You just don't see guys <laughs> – move around like that. So when you look at the n- next generation of guys that are about to come through the draft, 
What are your initial thoughts when you saw them work out up in Indianapolis? Well, when I saw them run, I was like, I need to get that, that whatever that turf is and bring it back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> because everybody's moving way too fast. You know, when you had Jordan Davis running the four seven, uh-huh. I was like, man, now you're just making me slow, old. old. I, I didn't know what to think. But, uh, you know, these guys have just evolved so much from when I played. And, or I, I can't even, I would like say when I played, but it's just, it's cool to see, um, you know, the difference in, you know, and, and, and the real cool thing I, I would say is, you know, NFL is very cyclical in what we go through and you get to see guys evolve and you get to see trends start to come back in. Um, I know everybody's going to the smaller linebackers or the smaller offensive linemen. And then you get these big tree trunks that really stick out. And so when Jordan Davis is lined up against, you know, 290 pounds, that's not going to be fair at the next level. But yeah. that's the trend we're going through. No, it's so true. I want to ask you about some of these other Georgia guys because it was one of the one of the best groups from one school that, I, that I've seen that I can remember coming through. Um, and gosh, you had you had dudes on your on your team coming out as well. But when you look at at somebody like Walker, right? T- to me, he can do so many different things. They play him, you play him on the edge. They kick him inside and let him rush. He's got thirty five inch arms. I don't <laughs> know if you saw the field workout, but he's so fluid and so smooth. But what kind of what what kind of again? I guess it kind of goes back to this theme of being able to be multiple and versatile. But having somebody at two hundred and eighty pounds with that type of uh, versatility, what can that do for your defense? You know, I think it's interesting. I, I've seen people say he could play end in a three four, and I'm like, the weight kind of scares me. I know he's yeah. got all the measurables of you know the thirty five inch arms, but you know to do that for seventeen weeks is tough. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in a 4-3 scheme, he could play all the way down the line. Yeah. Um, he's that versatile. And, you know, you look at that Clemson game, I thought he was the best player out there. You know, he was mm-hmm. record shot that game. Yeah. It, it, one of the other things I want to ask you about, too, is, uh, you know, we're he, the the talk with Jordan Davis, going back to him real quick, mm-hmm. keep the Georgia thing going. Yeah. Was, uh, he, came, he came off the field. He came off the field on third downs. And I, my my answer to that was well when you when you have Wyatt Davis who is the only other defensive lineman who tested better than he did at the combine shows you what a freak he is and then they've got a kid in Jalen Carter who's not eligible for the draft who's better than all these dudes he's yeah. he, he's a top five pick next year yeah um, that's what Oregon tell me that's the one oh he's the dude he is the dude yeah. but but my question then is have you seen this in your experience just because somebody might not be asked to do something doesn't mean they can't do something. Yeah, you know, I think that's the conundrum. You know, mm-hmm. what have you done in college versus what you're going to do in the pros? Um, I think with him, you know, I think it was like 30 to 40% he played. Yeah. But um, can he play the tilt? You know, can mm-hmm. he play the two-eye shade? If he can do that, he can be a three-down player. Um, you know, I think he might not be the starter in some packages, but he can provide a big, big uh, – enhancement to any team. Um, mm-hmm. I look at a guy like a team like Buffalo who, you know, struggled in the run to extent, but you put bring that guy in, there's no way that New England's running that ball like they did in that game where it was a mm-hmm. snowball of all games. <laughs> <laughs> so Kim, so I, I need to lean on your experience um, just to help me when I'm evaluating guys. So when you're evaluating mm-hmm. defensive linemen, what are two or three things 
that you're looking for in that evaluation? Like what are the traits that we should be looking at when we're trying to determine the good ones and the great ones? We're trying to separate those guys at the top. Well, I think the first thing for me is the short shuttle. Um, it's a it's a it's a hidden thing, but if you can really see if someone can move laterally and you can see how well they they tra- track well, um, and then being able to flip their hips. Um, along with that, broad jump is huge because I want to see you explode out of your hips. Um, if you just sit back um, too much, you really don't get to see you know that explosion out, and you don't get to see a guy really. Um, you know, step around the scrimmage. And that's what you're looking for at the defensive line. And then the last thing for me is always position drills. Um, and I want to see what you did in college. You know, those two things, position drills and what you did in college, go hand in hand. Um, you can be a workout warrior. You can literally look like a Greek guy. But if you don't, you know, dominate and make sure your presence is known as a defensive lineman, I can't, I can't ride with you. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you see some of these guys in the love it because a guy like Jordan Davis might not have all the stats, but you knew he was dominating games every single time he was on the field. And when you can get that type of compliment, you know you're ready for the next level. I want to ask you about somebody we were just talking about at the top of the show who just got a a good chunk of money, and that's Larry Ogunjobi, um, Mm -hmm. who – you know, I've watched him. They played. I do the Charger games. They played them this year. So getting ready for that game, and he's. I don't think he really gets a whole lot of love or a whole lot of attention. But what's your take on him as a player? You know, I think he got hurt this past year with Cincinnati at the end. But I thought he was more one of the more consistent guys. Um, even when he was with Cleveland, I thought he was. You know, um, I wouldn't say Batman or Robin with mm-hmm. Miles Garrett, but you know, they were like the super friends. They worked together and. They were very, um, you know, uh, they complemented each other very well. Very well. And, you know, he's got good hands, good extension, uh, is able to be uh, not only a player in the run game, but he can affect the quarterback as well. I want to ask you about another guy here because, I, I'm, you know, you guys see so much crossover tape. I'm curious, by the way, first of all, do you, do you uh, when you guys vote for, for Pro Bowl stuff, how, how seriously do you guys take that? And how much do you guys really watch? I know in crossover tape you're going to see guys, but how much do you really pay attention, you know, either in season or out of season to what's going on around the league, your position? I, I have to watch everybody's tape. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, I like to not only emulate what they're doing, but see how I can apply it towards the O-line. Um, yeah. You know, pro, voting on Pro Bowl is weird. You want to be recognized. Yeah. Um, but the thing about it is – some guys don't play for so long that they're trying not to get hurt, so it kind of messes up the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that where it's like, you know, this player A hasn't played since December. Now yeah. let's throw him out there in February. Yeah. And then he's got a contract to worry about. So yeah. it's like, oh. Yeah. But I will say there was a guy that on the O-line who was talking a little bit of junk to some of our uh, outside linebackers and DNs. Um, he had a long day that day. <laughs> that was the worst time to pick a battle. And, you know, it did not go in his favor at the end. Oh, well, let, me, let, let me ask you that real, real quick then. So, in your opinion, I'll be curious, your, your career, maybe currently or maybe all time, who, who's the best offensive lineman that you went up against, that you go up oh, against? I would say the best offensive lineman is probably Marshall Young. Yeah, mm. you know he was uh, he was just solid in every you know every position. 
Um, you know, never got out of character, never overextended himself as an O lineman, which is huge. If you get overextend yourself at all, you're done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, very even kill. They, I think they asked him to play, you know, guard to center to tackle. Um, to have that type of flexibility as a player is pretty uncommon. Um, and I just thought he had a mean streak when, you know, they wanted to run the ball, they were running behind him. Yeah. I, I remember when we, I was in Baltimore when we drafted him, and it was, a situation where we had already taken, I believe we had taken Ben Grubbs in the first round. Mm-hmm. And it was like, man, do we double down on interior line? I'm like, oh, this guy's so good. Like, I can't believe he's still here. So so we took him. But there was a play in college, Cam, against their rival at Iowa State. Uh, you can you can find it on YouTube if you haven't seen it already. But it's like a, it's like a reverse and a peel back. It's one of the best kill shots that, that you'll ever see. But, like, he was a killer on the field, man. Yeah, and then now you look at him now, he uh, is like 200 200- 30 pounds. I'm like, yeah. Man, this guy, this guy was kicking a whole lot of tail. And now people are just seeing the afterthought of what he is. And it's like, yeah. man, you guys don't even know. <laughs> so, a monster. so I got to ask you this um, before we let you go. Um, all the quarterback movement and all the quarterbacks we yeah. now are seeing in the AFC from Josh mm-hmm. Allen to then in the West, like in your division, you talk about Joe Burrow, you have uh, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. We have all the guys in the West and, Herbert, Mahomes, and those things. When you're thinking about what the Steelers have to do to get through it, how challenging is it to deal with so many different A-level quarterbacks in the conference? I I don't look at it as a, you know, I look at it as a challenge and I get excited for that challenge. Um, But it's no burden. Um, You know, I think um, when you have a strong defense, you're able to overcome some of that. you know, towards then we struggled a little bit in stopping the run, but you know, you as a defender, you have to look to relish those moments. Um, you know, having you know, Mika and TJ, um, and then hopefully get some guys back off their injury. I think that you know, only prepares us for you know, the guy we got to run. And I'm not just talking about the AFC North, you know, the AFC is full of really good quarterbacks. Um, but you know, if you if you want to get to the top, you're gonna have to go through them. All right, dude, you've been you've been awesome. It's been fun to kind of go on this little journey journey with you. Last question from me, because I won't go back to your, yeah. your college stuff, Ohio State. Did you watch mm-hmm. the Rose Bowl this year? And have you ever seen anything like Smith and Jigba, what he did in that game? Yeah, I think our Rose Bowl ended up 26 to like 17. Yeah. Um, but theirs is just like, you know, the first half, I don't even think I watched. I think I was seeing the new Spider-Man, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I, I got out of the, of the theater and I saw the score and I'm like, what is going on? How are we giving up this many points? Yeah. You know, the defense at Ohio State, we we take that very personal when we're giving up points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the first half, they you know, I always think back to that uh, that Instagram video where it's like, they got us in the first half. But in the second half, we were ready to go. And, you know, I just love the jig by that game. I felt like he made every catch. Um, Stroud was putting it on the money. And, like, I was like, once we got the lead, I was like, oh, now it's starting to work. And, uh, you know, it's one of those classics for the Rose Bowl. Um, I don't know if it's the, you know, Troy Smith or Vince Young versus USC classic. But, you know, it's, it's pretty special. Oh, that's awesome. Dude, this has been a lot of fun. We got to do this again. You have 
absolutely a career in broadcasting after you're done, man. Because you just you do this stuff. You do this stuff easily. So I want to be. Uh, I want to be on that train. I want to be on the cam train yeah. once once your once your career is over. But you got a long you got a long time before then. <laughs> we hope so. No, you're, you're the best. You're the best, man. It's uh, it's been great to catch up with you. We'll do it again soon. And good luck to uh, to your Steelers as you go through the rest of the off season. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. All right, Buck, how awesome is Cam, man? What what a great dude and great insight from him today. It's awesome to have him on there. A great insight. So, DJ, what you missed um, during the combine coverage, Cam had to issue me a family apology for what his dad did to me as a player. So, like, you don't see this, but, like, if you come close to the thing, there's a cut right on my lip. Yeah, right what, what is that? Where it has stitches. Well, back in 19... 19- 96 uh we were playing the atlanta falcons i was with the jacksonville jaguars um we were playing them in a game to go to the postseason we had to win to go in and so late in the game i'm playing nickel and they send me off the edge on a blitz and instead of and instead of them throwing the ball as we expected they give it to Ironhead on a draw and so if you can imagine me coming i come in and i see it and i have to take them out Mm-hmm. And so when I took him out, he split my lip. Oh and my there's a picture that I can post on yeah, you gotta uh, post it. the thing of my lip completely bloody, where I had to go get stitched up, had to shave my mustache, get stitched up, come back in the game. And so I haven't had a mustache since. So I had him issue a, an apology from his family to me about yeah. how he disfigured my face. <laughs> what did he say? He had he had to have, he had to have had a good laugh about that. Then he had to have enjoyed that. <laughs> he did Craig, like Ironhead sh- Hayward. Literally, his yes. name is Ironhead. You don't want to hit I that had to man. Show him, I had to show him the picture. So there's this picture um, on the internet of my face, kind of bloody, where literally I hit his I hit his dad, and I get up and I take my helmet off because I'm like, what? It, it looks like being a fight. I tasted my own blood, like Bruce Lee. Yeah. Now we're yeah, going. So yeah. Now we're uh, by the way, yeah. uh, Lake and Tomlinson just signed with the New York Jets, so they needed a guard and they oh, get one there. And Lake that. and Tomlinson, and he's played, and he's played in the. You in this game. okay? So now look, true. Last week, I think maybe it was on the show. I hit that on one. Show. Yeah, yeah. I talked about him potentially going to Miami to join Mike McDaniel. You're like ah. <laughs> hold on, Jets, hold on. The Jets might have something to say because they also coach. <laughs> in San Francisco and yeah. might have a little intel on him. So nah, that was good luck. So good signing there. Um, all right. We uh we need to hit get real quick here your thoughts on Tom Brady coming back. I guess we shouldn't be totally surprised, are we? Uh DJ just can't stay away. The look, man, this game is is a drug that just brings people in and it's hard to, to shake it. And I give him credit. He realized in two months, yeah, this ain't gonna get better. This is not going to get better because for Tom Brady, the thing that Tom Brady, we hadn't even got to OTAs. Tom Brady missed, he missed off-season workouts. Mm-hmm. He missed getting ready. He didn't know what to do with himself. He's all over and he's at the house and he's taking kids to school. He's like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go back. <laughs> I'm ready to go back. Um, I think, look, I think, I think this is great. I think he also is very calculated because when we look at the NFC, the path is so clear for them. The path is clear. If they can just build up a, a decent roster, you're talking about being able to kind of pen, pencil them, the Packers, the L.A. Rams, 
and maybe the Niners into the tournament. And then it's about, as you know, with him, if they get in and if he has a, a healthy squad with him, they got to punch his chance on anybody. And he's still the boogeyman to yeah. Aaron Rodgers and those guys up north. And the Rams had to have a miraculous comeback to beat them. So I think he feels good about his chances of being able to do it. Um, you know, and then he you, got you know, it out we, in time to, to get those free agents to come back. You know, we should have known, by the way, the second that they, because we said at the time, right? Wow, they they tagged Godwin, who I love. He's a great player, but a, a mm-hmm. receiver coming off of an ACL. And they're going to let a 25-year-old corner who's really talented in Carlton Davis walk. And then we should have been able to figure it out. Like, yeah, n- no blank, Sherlock. Like, that, Tom Brady's going to want to come back. He doesn't care. I mean, his, Carlton Davis is a good player, but you can sign all the corners you want. He doesn't care. You give me. He loved Chris Godwin. Like, you bring Chris Godwin back, and you let the corner walk. And you got a better chance of getting Tom Brady to come back. So that should have been the sign i guess we should have perked up and said okay yeah no this is all about brady they're they're kind of clearing the clearing everything out to be uh to make it as mo- the most attractive situation they could possibly make it for him to come back and and they they absolutely did it and so it's uh i mean it's a really good thing for him it's a good thing for him to come back it's a good thing for us to be able to see him continue to do his deal and look we won't say it like i know people get tired of it but i have an appreciation for excellence so we get a chance to see him do it and it would have been the rare thing where you see a player go out on top individually, not his team having the confetti fall on them, but the guy was still playing maybe the best football of his career. Like let it lead him pass it. I mean, just, yeah. you don't see that. I mean, you don't see that. So no, ride it to the wheels fall off. I mean, he has the rest of his life to do all that other stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. Nope. No doubt. Um, all right. Anything else you want to add before we jump out of here? This stuff is coming fast and furious. Hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to this as we were just kind of reacting real time to all this stuff going down. So crazy. So good. No, I said, uh, look, man, look, free agency, the NFL continues to do again. Like free agency is crazy. But now that we're seeing some of these free agents um, sign, you know, it's time for other mock drafts. It's time. Yeah. For, well, I yeah, mean, everything we've said, everything stuff. Everything yeah. we said with the Jags when they signed, when they franchise tagged Cam Robinson was this is pointing towards Aiden Hutchinson. Now they go out and they sign Brandon Scherf. So they're doing the offensive thing in in kind of the veteran way to help their quarterback. And that's going to free them up with the first overall pick to park that right the park that drive right in the middle of the fairway with Aiden Hutchinson. Right, coming right off to the weekend of the TPC. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna hit that thing pop it up right there. on it, go pop it right, right on the island 17 and, and just make it happen. No, nah, so this. This is what you typically do. We talk about with young quarterbacks, you go get veteran people around them that know how to play so they have certainty and stability. That yeah. gives them the opportunity for the quarterback to develop really quickly. And Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke, they're putting that plan in place. So they have an opportunity to kind of hit the ground running when they start this year, the first year of Doug Peterson's uh, tenure. No, no doubt. Uh, fun. It's a fun day in the National Football League. Hope you guys have enjoyed this as much as we have. And uh, we'll catch you right back here on Move the Sticks.